I like to call today's guest a curator of culture. Bobby Green is one of the owners of the 1933 group, known for taking classic buildings and bringing them back to life with new and exciting concepts. They've always been about elevating the cocktail and dining experience. With some of LA's oldest establishments, including Harlow, Formosa Cafe, and even the recently reopened Tale of the Pup, we do a deep dive into the rich history that makes up so much of West Hollywood. Bobby? Yes. Hi, welcome. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Thanks for being here. I'm actually excited about this conversation because I'm a fan of a lot of the the places that you own with how you've been able to bring to life these historic venues and bring them to new life and keep them relevant, Mm. Uh, especially in in today's day and age. I mean, that's that's why I see the the curator of culture element. Yeah, especially for for West Hollywood, which has such an interesting and storied kind of past. Yes. And especially with some of the places that obviously you guys are part of. But yes. Um, mm-hmm. yes. But the history of West Hollywood, I think, makes holding on to it even more interesting. So. Yeah, for sure. So why don't we go ahead and start at the beginning? Uh, so how did you get here? Yeah, <laughs> so uh, so how, how, did, how did everything come about? How, and how did uh, 1933 group form? So... Um, I, well, first I'll answer how I got here. Yeah, right? yeah, please. Which is a kind of funny story. So <laughs> I I landed in Los Angeles at the age of 10. Okay. okay. This is 1980. Okay. Which was a great year for LA. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it was the typical migrate to LA story. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the child actor, the mother, you know, who wanted her kids to, you know, wow. get an agent. This, 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 the typical story. Oh my gosh. You always hear, right. I love this. Um, you know, because we came from Oklahoma. And in Oklahoma, I was doing maybe like, the, started out in the church choir, and then it goes on to acting classes, and then you perform at the theater. Yeah. and The typical, typical story. And so from the age of 10 mm-hmm. until 18, mm-hmm. I was forced to... <laughs> That's the authenticity of that Hollywood keep, right keep, there. Keep it yeah. real. I was forced into the acting world, which I think I liked as a young kid, but I, I really started hating it mm. once Boys. I became a teenager, mm. you know, because you, you're in junior high and then you're in high school and your friends are out skating and you're next to your friend's got a mohawk and he dyes it green and you can't do that because you got to be the perfect, you know, little boy for commercials. You have to look like that headshot. Yeah, exactly. Got to look <laughs> yeah. like your headshot. So I started really disliking it, but I was still doing it because yeah. I kind of had to. You're yeah. Living at home, yeah, right. And then the last thing I did, I had right before I turned eighteen, okay, was uh, Scrooged, the Bill Murray movie. Wow. Yeah, I was one of those carolers. Oh in, my gosh, I love show. this. And then I turned eighteen, like you know, weeks after after filming that, quit acting and moved out of the house. Wow. You're like, I'm done. Done. Totally done. I thought it was the most boring, stressful Mm. thing, you know, as a kid. Uh, Of course, it's funny. Ironically, I'm I'm on TV and things, you know, like this more now than I ever did back then. You're playing yourself. Yeah. So it's different. It's on my terms. (laughs) It is. That too. Exactly. So got out of that. And then I just started working in hospitality, mm-hmm. uh, working in coffee houses. But I was also, I also grew up with an art design background. Oh, neat. My dad was an artist. My grandmother was a designer. Mm-hmm. And so to me, I tried to, I wanted a career in art and design because that's the only thing I really ever excelled at. Yeah. And um, I was going to go to Art Center. I was working in coffee houses mm-hmm. uh, throughout my teens mm-hmm. and then into my early 20s. And I got fired from every job I ever had oh my 
because I think I was just born. I had to work for myself. Yeah. Mm. I, 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 you know, I, I, I hated authority figures. <laughs> I always thought I could do better than everybody else. And so I'd get fired. I'd go on to the next coffee yeah. house or whatever. And then I got a call one day in my early 20s from a guy who actually fired me from this little coffee house in, okay. in West L.A. And he said, hey, I'm going to sell the place. And, you know, you and your friends always said you could do a better job than me. So do you, <laughs> Have maybe, maybe you want to buy me out. So <laughs> Love this. So great. Yeah, it's so great. And so I, I ended up selling this uh, uh, Nash Metropolitan that I had. And, and our friends, me and a couple of guys pulled our money together and we bought the coffee house. It oh was called gosh. Cacao. Okay. And uh, first thing we did, remodel it. We made it like a tiki sci-fi themed coffee house. Because, oh, this is so fun. Because I was, you know, in my late teens, early 20s, I was haunting all the cool old school places of LA, the Formosa being one of them. Yeah. Especially the Formosa because, because you know, back in the late 80s, they didn't they didn't card anybody. Yeah. You know, oh. so you'd go in there and it's like full of like 19 year olds. That was a spot. Yeah. <laughs> you, know? And, you know, when you were that young, you knew every place that you could go get a drink. For most of it was one of them. And uh, so I was and, and growing up in L.A., I loved vintage. Mm -hmm. Like one of the first things I saw coming to L.A. was like a pink Cadillac or a 57 Chevy. And, and remember in the 1980s, there was kind of like a 50s, 80s revival yeah. in L.A. There was diners and mm -hmm. cars everywhere. And so I got really into vintage cars from when I was 15 years old. My first car was a 57 Chevy. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It was just so L.A. Yeah. to me. It, totally. You know, and, I, and we had the room and we had the streets and you could cruise, you know, all day long in your old car. Oh. And it was just like a dream. I just loved it. And I, I'm still a super avid car person um and so that got me into the, the the car was the gateway drug to the world of vintage mm -hmm. you know because you <laughs> I love that you know you, you drive in the old car and then you start you start listening to the music of the, of the time and then you start buying clothes of, of the time and you start finding architecture yeah. so you can take a picture of your car in front of it you know so it's like a time travel photo and so it's just snowballs it's snowballs and so the places i would love as a young scenester i guess you'd mm -hmm. call it were like the dresden room and oh, the formosa yeah. mm -hmm. the ski room and muso franks oh, you know all, like kind places. of kind of seeking out that time travel la experience mm -hmm. Um, so I already had a love and tell the pup mm -hmm. speaking of which was one of my first memories of LA. Like really when, before we even moved here, we would come here like for a, a few months in the summer right? Yeah. and then go back to Oklahoma and come back. And I remember after the first trip to LA going back to Oklahoma and remembering the Hollywood sign and tell the pup. It Those are your two like first the icon, Like these two icons of L.A. It's amazing. Yeah. And so that place was always ingrained into my memory. To me, that was that was L.A. Yeah. So that's how I got here. Yeah. That, I and, love that. And that's how I got into hospitality, running this little coffee house, mm -hmm. which I did for six years. And that became so I basically skipped college and just yeah. did that. So I got a head start. That became my college. I learned mm -hmm. about how to run a little cafe. Yeah. Um, and during that whole process, I, I loved it because mm -hmm. I was meeting people, having art shows, having so live cool. music, 
and getting to know like all the young artists and students of of of, of LA. And so I and I was going out to bars. Yeah. So suddenly I want to open a bar. You know, it's like I love this, but I want to do something bigger. Yeah. I want to open a bar. And it had to be thematic. Cause I to me that was always the coolest restaurants were thematic. Of course. Yeah. Even growing up. Yeah. The coolest restaurants were and thematic. And when they're well done, it's not it's not kitschy. And it it's it also also almost helps like transport people to yes. another time era. It adds to the whole experience. hundred percent. Yeah. And transport's a word I use a lot, actually. Um, so I came up with the concept of the Bigfoot Lodge. Mm-hmm. It would be a log cabin bar that felt like you were in the mountains of Colorado or in Yellowstone. Yeah. Something that like, reminded me of the places I used to go to as a kid. I was also a big fan at that time. This is like, we're talking 1987, okay. 88 of Twin Peaks. Okay. Yeah. You know, and it just, I love that aesthetic and that vibe. And so for about three years, I, I asked every person I'd meet, hey, I want to open a bar. Do you want to invest? Do you yeah. want to invest? Do you want to invest? Because I didn't have the money to do yeah, of it. Course. So I just had the dream. And after three years of asking hundreds of people, I finally connect with the partners I have now. It was like a friend of a friend of a friend. Yeah. And it was these two guys my age, exact age. So we were 22 years old. Yeah. Um, oh, wow. They yeah. had just opened a clothing company mm-hmm. about a year prior. And my friend said, hey, you should meet Bobby. He like knows everybody and he wants to open a bar. And he's gonna, I think it's going to be really successful. And so we met and the rest was history. They said, okay, let's do it. So you've and then ended up basically creating all of these. Um, you you've had this history of of finding these sort of like historic buildings and then bringing them to life. And and three in particular happen to be in West Hollywood. Yes. So yes. we've got Harlow, uh, Formosa Cafe, as well as Till the, Til the Pup, which by the way, love that you're representing. I wearing the shirt I mean, with all the are. logos exactly. on it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but it's funny because those are all places I frequented my life growing up in L.A. That's so cool. Um, Comes full circle. Full circle. The Harlow was the crown bar. Before that, it was like, I think it was called Blue Blue something. Mm -hmm. But I used to go to like a little ska rock steady dance night there years ago. Um, And then when it became crown bar, it was like a super paparazzi kind of celebrity driven club. Yeah. Uh, and of course, the Formosa I'd go to, you know, in the late '80s and through the '90s, mm-hmm. and it was a scene. It was a huge scene there. Yeah, tons of celebrity, young like the young Hollywood celebrity set was always hanging out there. We just got a bunch of photos from a photographer back at that time. Oh, and really? It was like Charlize Theron and David Grohl. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, the the cast of Friends. And, you know, I remember seeing River River Phoenix there. Oh, I wow. I remember seeing... Uh, this is at the Formosa? This was at the Formosa. Yeah. Because, yeah. yeah. you know, Formosa, uh, when it opened in 1939, was directly across from the studios. Yep. You know, yeah. um, and so the, they celebrities would just walk across the street. Because it was a place to get a cocktail. Yeah. And, Easy. You know, drink After between hours. takes and, and all that. Um and so every celebrity you could think of mm-hmm. hung out there and it just became kind of like a safe haven for yeah. celebrities. Which and is it funny. still is till today. And it even was when I was in my 20s. You know, considering your background, 
you've also taken more of a thoughtful approach to like the cocktail experience. And mm -hmm. I think that this was also really interesting. So it wasn't just, you know, each of these businesses weren't necessarily just historic places. How could even one even say just? I mean, obviously that's the incredible part of it, but then you took it to the next step and you really wanted to sort of focus on more of like the mixology element of it. Is that right? Sure. Food and cocktails. Yeah. Food yeah. and cocktails. Yeah. Because we, you have to keep up with the, the trends of, of the course. times, of course, you know, because when I got into the bar business, I, I, I call it the Skittles era. Yeah. It was like all your cocktail had to be was like the color of a Skittles and taste <laughs> and, have, and be super sweet. And, yeah. and people were drinking them <laughs> like, you know, like fish. Yeah. Um, but you know, at some point, a decade or more ago, uh, that shift started to change mm -hmm. to, you know, the way the food had changed yeah. over the years, you know, fresher ingredients, mm -hmm. more complicated uh, cocktails, um, which really isn't. I mean, it, it kind of goes in ways like if you look at the old tiki bar culture sure. of the 40s and 50s, yeah. those were elaborate, complicated drinks, you know, that had that had fresh mint and then they had mm -hmm. muddled cherries and it had a lot of interesting ingredients um but then we kind of got away from that and went to these cheap yeah. you know the cosmopolitan days exactly um but now we're kind of back and it, even way more than it ever was mm -hmm. with the craft of making a cocktail completely um and i think we're actually kind of swinging out of it to be honest oh with really you. yeah because it got out too fussy <laughs> you know a 10 minute cocktail well, that was that was the biggest problem yeah, was right? the time yeah volume the time i mean you can't keep up with the pace if you have a lot of people there I exactly yeah that makes sense and sadly that that trend you know because it, it's all around the world yeah um but the trend uh, kind of got away from like what people really, really want at a bar. Mm -hmm. They want a friendly bartender and they yeah, want to drink fast. Yes, <laughs> you they, know this what is I mean? true. Yeah. So we're kind of getting back to the roots of like somewhere like a happy medium. Yeah, I think like let's have a great cocktail but not take half an hour yeah. and maybe smile <laughs> and, and, maybe? And when I walk up to the bar. And, and so that's where we're at now. And that's, that's where I like it to be. No, I think that great. makes a lot of sense. You know, when I first got this job in marketing for Visit West Hollywood, I did a whole photo shoot and I had people like sitting at a bar or sitting out by the pool with glasses of wine mm -hmm. or champagne. And I got a lot of criticism for it because it was like oh we're not really a wine place we're more of a craft cocktail place oh. and i thought that was really like it was okay. one of my first learnings i was like okay if we do a shoot we have to do it you know with a craft cocktail so i think it's interesting that it's swinging back a little bit yeah i don't know if to wine necessarily obviously wine is classic and will always be but um it's interesting that it's kind of getting to be a more real kind of thing i guess yeah. right it, it, it needs it needs to swing back and then just stay there let's just you know, let's <laughs> give people what they really want and make people happy. Yeah. yeah. You know. Oh, definitely. So why don't we talk about the different properties that are here and just the, you can break down the concept. So starting with Harlow, I know you kind of touched on that a bit. Every place we do prior to, let's say, the restorations of yeah. the historical places. I mean, we, we would pretty much just completely gut the place. Yeah. And start from scratch because mm -hmm. there was there was very, very many elements that were worth keeping at, <laughs> yeah. at the time. Obviously, the historical places are a completely different story. Of course. Harlow wasn't. Harlow had changed concepts many, many so times. So many times, yeah. And it kind of showed. Mm -hmm. There's there's like layers that get put on restaurants and bars over the years. Mm -hmm. And so what I like to do is I like to just strip all the layers back to the building itself, like 
what it what it looked like back when it was first built. Yeah. So we we just we strip it all back and then we just kind of add a little bit to what we find, mm-hmm. and that be kind of becomes the finished product. You know, it it just had to me. It just had a feeling of like classic Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, and so I just kind of took it down that path yeah. of classic Hollywood. It has such a cool, cool vibe to it. So speaking of classic Hollywood, let's talk about Formosa Cafe. That's real um, classic Hollywood. Real, like historic, mm-hmm. iconic. Um, if people don't know it, they probably know it. They've probably seen the image of it, you yeah. know. They've seen it in uh, a movie. 100%. heard a story about it. You've said, or at least one of your you know, uh, partners have said that it was probably one of the hardest acquisitions to get. Is that right? It was. It was. It, Talk it, us through that. Well, it's a, it's an interesting story of, of how it became a difficult thing to get because the the Formosa had been threatened with demolishing oh. t- probably two different times mm-hmm. over its lifetime. The first was the the Warner Warner Studios yeah. across the street. They at that time they owned the land. Mm. This was in like late seventies eighties. Um, and they wanted to expand the studio and they wanted to make that a parking lot. And oh my gosh, it was one of those times where that you don't, I don't think you see enough anymore where patrons come out, organize, call the news and they pick it for mm-hmm. like days. Yeah. Saying save the Formosa. Yeah. There's all, we have some great photography of, of news articles around that oh, time. Wow. And so they did, they ended up saving the Formosa because Warner Warner Studios like didn't want the bad press anymore. Wow. It was they were getting a lot of bad press over it, and so they finally said, "Okay, we're we're calling it off. Yeah. We're not we're gonna do it." So it, yay, it was saved once, right? Then again, it was threatened with the the mall development next door, mm-hmm. and this was in the late nineties. Okay, again, people protested, save the Formosa. They picketed again, and. Over the years, slowly, the Formosa kind of ran its course a bit, like mm-hmm. some places do. Uh, and it was uh, not being run so well, yeah. I'll, I'll put it that way. And finally, at some point, several years back, someone came in and decided just to take all the historical stuff out. They're like, let's just get all this old stuff out of here. Let's just paint the walls gray, make it feel more modern. But very poor decision, obviously. I think I remember that. Yeah, be, you do because the press and the public just immediately outlash. Yeah, of course. Like the the, the second it opened, mm-hmm. it immediate outlash. Because of the protests of the late 90s, the developers knew the right person had to yeah. be the new caretaker. Of course. Couldn't just be any old no. any old person. And so we ended up um kind of Wine, you know, not whining and dining, but we ended up courting the <laughs> the the powers that be. Yeah, and luckily we already had two really large restoration projects mm-hmm. in our belt. You know, we we invited them to come down. We we toured them on both locations, mm-hmm. and I even had uh, friends from the L.A. Conservancy, the Hollywood Heritage Museum, write letters of support for yeah. us. Um, because really at the time there was no one else in town that could say, well, look what I've said, yeah, like, look what I've said. Exactly. We're proof of concept. Like well, this is what we've done before. Yeah. Yeah. Proof that we really care and yeah. we, and we, we get it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so that they, they were won over at that point. And they said, yeah, you guys really are the, 
the best people to do this. It's so cool. Mm -hmm. I mean, again, like with each of these buildings and these concepts, it's so cool how it's like bringing to life this history. So, okay, got to talk about Tale of the Pup. Bring us full circle with that. For those that may not be aware of Tale of the Pup, how was it? I mean, you mentioned it that you, that was one of your first memories yes. of LA when you were a kid. It was. Um, could you describe it? Because it, I think the visual description of, of it is really interesting. Yeah. Well, we could go really deep with it and go back even further. There is a, there's a trend in architecture called programmatic architecture. Okay. And it evolved because of the creation of the automobile. Oh. So in the before the 1920s, most people were walking or riding a horse, yeah. right? So if you had a business, you would just hang a sign. Yeah. Everybody would see you. Well, once the Model T, then the Model A came out, people were driving by your business mm -hmm. suddenly. And so people were like, How do we get no their attention? No one can see my sign. Yeah. You know, I'm a shoe store. I'm just going to build a, a giant shoe. So you, that's you can see that That's so what that is. So you see that. So we all know in, in a lot of different... Uh, cities, but I mean, I know it was certainly really popular here. That well, LA was the king yes. of programmatic architecture because we were a young city. We had we weren't built up in the in the twenties, thirties, forties. We weren't built up like every major city yeah. in America. So we had land, we had space, we mm -hmm. could build whatever we wanted, and we, we had a city full of dreamers yeah. and movie industry people. Uh, so it was just natural yeah. to, you know, let's like the Brown Derby, let's make a giant yes, hat. Exactly. And it's a I restaurant. That. Um, there was hundreds, hundreds, hundreds. That first place we restored in North Hollywood, the mm -hmm. idle hour mm -hmm. is, is programmatic architecture. It's a yeah. giant barrel. Yes. Wooden barrel. Very uh, familiar. And so, um, tail the pop was, was one of the few surviving examples. Mm -hmm. Sadly, the trend became very passe, yeah. starting in about the 60s. So 60s, yeah. 70s, 80s, they were just being torn down, torn down, torn down. And a lot of them were made out of plaster and, and, and chicken wire. So, yeah. you know, it, it didn't <laughs> last all that long. Um, but the tail of the pup did. And, and it thrived because it never closed. Oh. It was always open. So they were always fixing it, repainting it, yeah. you know, keeping the building alive. But the building was uh, kind of one of the later programmatic architecture buildings to be built. It was designed before World War II, 1938, oh, wow. 39. But because the war started, they put the construction on hold. Yeah. And then right after the war, so 1946, they built it and opened it. Yeah. And it was a famous celebrity dance couple, Yolanda and Velez. Oh. Uh, and they were a ballroom dancing like celebrities. Okay. Um, and they opened it because they wanted to have kids. Yeah. And that kind of ended their career as ballroom dancers for several years. So they opened the, the this giant hot dog uh, instead to have a business I going. That. The natural... Uh uh, progression. progression you, go right? you go from ballroom, ballroom dancing to, to selling hot yeah, dogs yeah. to selling hot dogs so <laughs> <I mean. Yeah. laughs> but they hired uh, there was an architect milton black who was a fairly well-known architect in the in the 30s uh -huh. he was a deco meets streamline modern yeah in los angeles and they hired him to design so it's basically a giant hot dog it's <laughs> 19 feet long it's about ten feet tall, and then this, the 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 side of it opens up, and yeah. that's your your window, and that was built La Cienega and Beverly, mm -hmm. nineteen forty six, and it opened like a movie premiere. There were searchlights, really? there were paparazzi. Oh, that's cool! All their celebrity friends. <laughs> Everybody came. was ready for the hot dogs. <laughs> like, yeah, I love it. It was a huge opening, um, 
And it just thrived as, well, to me, a mascot of Los Angeles. Yeah. So I had some friends, some some preservation friends, including uh, Allison Martino, mm-hmm. who actually lives next yeah. door here, um, uh, looking for it. And she ended up finding it. She found the family. Where was it? It was in a storage a warehouse in Torrance. Oh, my gosh. And so she ended up meeting with the family, uh, kind of doing filming yeah. and, and, and visiting with the pup. And uh, <laughs> the kids ended up inheriting it, but they didn't want to... Uh, oh, they didn't want to run it. Yeah, they were looking for, for something to do, so mm-hmm. they were trying to find a developer or somebody to take it over. They talked with Caruso, uh, they talked with I think even Westfield Mall, mm-hmm. um, but none of the deals ever worked out. Yeah, and sadly, they were tired of holding onto it for all these years. And so what they did was they donated it to the Valley Relics Museum, and uh, okay. my friend Tommy runs the museum. Yeah. And it, basically, he collects all these really cool things about L.A., whether it's an old sign yeah. or, or, or an icon of L.A. that has been torn down or yeah. is out of business. So he just collects it all, and he created a, a great museum. And so to his credit, they bring him the hot dog, and they kind of uh, convey to him how bummed they are that it's not going to be a hot dog stand yeah. ever again. And so Tommy said, well, if I knew someone that could reopen it, would you give it to them instead? Yeah. And they said, yeah, we would. So Tommy called me and he said, hey, you know, you know, tell the pup. I'm like, of course. He's like, I want you to meet the kids and you guys can work something out. That's so cool. And I was super excited. Yeah, of course. It's so fun. And of course, your personal ties to it as well. Well, that's the greatest thing about all these all these places is my childhood memories Mm -hmm. or my teenage 20s memories yeah and i get to come back and like save yeah in, in a physical incarnation my memories yeah of course you're also the city's memories yeah, of course absolutely but it's super rewarding what year was that that uh you met with the curator of the museum and and he said now the family will do it if you open a business that was, was 2018 18 yeah, yeah not too long ago yeah. right? that was 2018 yeah. now here i have to tell the story because okay. this is a west hollywood Yes. Story. And this is why West Hollywood is different than the rest of LA. Yeah, I was going to ask you, but definitely share. So I'm in the middle of restoration of the Formosa, and we were able to acquire the Tale of the Pup, 2018. And a press came out about it. Mm-hmm. 1933 group yeah, acquires Tale of the Pup. Yeah. Plan to reopen. Plan to reopen. And so the acting mayor and city planner of West Hollywood at the time saw the articles in the paper mm-hmm. and found me, contacted me. Uh, and they didn't even know about Formosa at the time. Yeah. Oh, wow. And they contacted mm-hmm. me. They said, hey, we heard about the Formosa. Um, we would love to meet with you and talk to you about it. I said, great, sure, come down. I'm, I'm restoring the Formosa right now. And they're like, are you serious? <laughs> I was like, yeah. And I said, come down, let's talk about it. So yeah. they came down. This was uh, Paul Aravello and John D'Amico. And um, mm. they came down and they said, you know, we would love to do whatever we can mm-hmm. to keep Tell the Pup in West Hollywood. Oh. And, and what city does that? Yeah. That is unheard awesome. of in yeah. Los Angeles. Um, and so I was so touched by that. And, you know, I could tell that the pup meant as much to them as it did to me. Yeah. You know, and so 
I it, I was pretty adamant about keeping it in West Hollywood because it was born here. Yeah, it makes lived sense. its entire life here. And you know, West Hollywood encourages interesting things. Of course. You know, uh, and that's what sets it sets it so apart. So the pup and the pup being one of the most interesting things in, oh, in all of LA. When we met with the broker and to get the tour of the building, I, I learned that it was the Doors recording studio. No way. Right. Yes, it was their office and recording studio in oh. 1970. They they recorded L.A. Woman there. Yes, upstairs. Oh, that is so cool. And then they then downstairs, they uh, the little bathroom downstairs yeah. was Jim Morrison's vocal room. So he, that's where he would sing because the acoustics were really good. Like where else in the world? Like really only in West Hollywood, honestly. It's such yeah. an amazing, amazing thing. I and know. he lived, I, I think he, you know, he lived in apartments probably right, right next door. Right, yeah, right next, next door. door. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah. And then his, his girlfriend owned a little clothing store uh, just right around the corner on La Cienega at the time. So I think he was walking around here all the time. Oh, yeah. And we have a picture of him. Eating a hot dog a on a sidewalk. <laughs> of course. And I, I, I'm I, pretty sure that's the tale of the pup. Because uh, all yeah. he had to do was walk down La Cienega. Uh, probably. How would you kind of describe the scene or the vibe in West Hollywood? You've got, obviously, you've got businesses in various parts of the city. But how would you say that West Hollywood is different? And, and how have you seen that maybe influence some of your businesses that are specifically here? Well, to me, West Hollywood is actually like this last holdout of what... Hollywood was yeah what it became what it started as yeah um because when, uh, growing coming here as a kid in 1980 there was still a lot of the Hollywood that was built from the 20s to the 80s mm -hmm. around me yeah and over the years growing up you see it slowly disappearing mm -hmm. and you realize you know Hollywood started out as a as a, a crazy vision by <laughs> a bunch of Bunch of interesting people. Yeah. You know, uh, they, they, we had that kind of can do, let's do something bigger, crazier than anywhere else in the country. Mm -hmm. um, that style of architecture just being one of the things. But the studios and the, the Hollywood sign and, you know, the, the, the Walk of Fame and all those things are just so different than anywhere else in the world. It's true. And we were okay with being loud and flashy and, and quirky and fun. And that was what Los Angeles was about. And then it slowly started disappearing. But I feel like West Hollywood has always saved it. Like they, oh, totally. they encourage it. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that's what makes West Hollywood way more fun yeah. than most of Los Angeles. Yeah. For those that might be coming to West Hollywood, would love to hear, how would you describe your um, ideal day, night out, in your ideal West Hollywood experience, what would that be for somebody that was coming here maybe for the first time? Where should they eat? Where should they, what should they do? Where should they stay? I want to hear from you. And yeah, it's okay. We all have tough, favorites. Yeah. Well, you know, because I'm such a vintage yeah, nut. That, of course, you're not the only one. That, you know, usually when people ask me where they stay, they're usually someone kind of like me that wants kind of yeah, that yeah. old Hollywood they experience, want that you know? Yeah. And so... Uh, I've had friends stay, obviously, Chateau Marmont, but but also the Sunset um, 
Marquis. Yes, Sunset Marquis is amazing. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. and and once they stay there and they see the you know there's, there's the Joan history, Jett and there's yeah. the you know the, there's the Led Zeppelin passed out in the pool and you know you you see like it's it's like Tale of the Pup. As soon yeah. as you start seeing all these photographs, you're like, oh my gosh, oh, mm-hmm. this was like a really Connecting cool the dots. time in Los Angeles. My friend Mike Wolf. Who has that show, American Pickers? Yeah, he—that's the only place he'll ever stay—is the Sunset Marquee. I mean, it's such yeah. a cool historic place. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you know you have to rent a convertible. Uh, you, yes, you just have to. Yes, the sun is out <laughs> yeah. again. You so a, you got to rent a convertible. You have to do the drive. You, obviously, yeah, you could drive around Beverly Hills. Okay, see some big houses. But you—I always tell people you got to do that drive down Sunset Strip. The Sunset Strip and is just classic. go all the way to the beach. Yeah, you know, and and come back. It's such a beautiful. And it's drive. cool because you you do um, you know and we've spoken about this before, but you know the Sunset Strip is specifically here in this part of of West Hollywood. But again, the history it just in that part um, mm-hmm. of of the boulevard. Obviously, then you can see it as it expands across the city but um but it is so cool because it's so iconic it's super iconic yeah and you know if you're if you're an art design uh person from another city visit the pacific design center yeah you know that's a really unusual place to find in any city Mm -hmm. um there's obviously santa monica boulevard if you're into the clubs and the scene uh, and then the, you have the Formosa yeah. for dinner and drinks. Exactly. Uh, and and I, it kind of caps it all off, I yeah. think. Tying it yeah. all together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, just final final thoughts as we sort of wrap. I mean, we could talk about this all day, yeah. I have to say. Uh, you'll it's be so fascinating. Totally yeah. um, but any sort of like final thoughts, tips, insights for those that might be tuning in, you know, what should I take away? What, are, what, what's, what is the sentiment that we um, that you think of when you think of West Hollywood? Well, I, I, like I said, I think it, it, it comes down to like fun, creativity, open, no openness. Yeah, open mindedness. Open mindedness for, sure. Yeah. for sure, definitely. We welcome all. It, it has a great history of that. Definitely. And it, it, it welcomes all types. And, and I think people should just come and, and revel in it. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Couldn't agree more. Right. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is perfect. Well, thank you so You're much welcome. for, for so the great conversation to meet you, today. Bobby. You too. My thank pleasure. You. Thank yeah. you. So great. Thank you.